0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome into Brewcast from Maze and Brew Podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Yardy, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Stephen Ossentoski here with you on Monday night, September 27th, as we head into Tuesday Uh, September 28th, coming to you live on the Mesa Brew YouTube page. Appreciate everyone who is uh, watching live right now, already got the comment section uh, (laughs) fired up and ready to go. Uh, We'll be talking quite a bit about the Rutgers game, obviously look ahead to Wisconsin here this week on the road to Madison. But before we do,
2: guys, Anthony, Stephen, how are we doing here tonight? Uh, I am, uh, I I burned the candle at both ends this weekend. Uh, I was not in Ann Arbor Saturday. I was actually in Louisville uh, for the last four days. I uh, had a prior engagement. Um, obviously, I got a little little bit of sun. You can see the raccoon eyes thing going on here. Um, yeah, so look at know. you. Yeah, no, it's good to get some extra vitamin D in late September. Us Michiganders aren't always used to that. So, right. uh, good time though. I uh, obviously watched Saturday's game. It was just a remote uh, broadcast for me. Um, I, I think I've digested this. It it wasn't the craziest thing to happen with a state of Michigan football team this weekend, but nonetheless uh Michigan moves to 4-0 and I still there are still things I don't know about this team that it's crazy we don't know about a month into the year, so
0: yeah, my uh, first reaction after the game was the Charlie Kelly scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the uh, gas episode where he jumps out the back of the van. He's like, wild card, and then he just jumps out, <laughs> cuts the brakes. That feels like Michigan. That's exactly where I'm at, where it's just like y- you ask me who this team is, and it's it's hard to say. But uh, it was funny because I, I was on the drive home from visiting some family and uh, listened to the first half. On uh on the radio, most of the first half. I was like, this sounds pretty great. This is pretty good. And then I start watching the second half. I'm like, did I listen to a different game? What was going on? It was pretty stark difference. But uh, but yeah, man, there's there's lots of questions that are now becoming concerns. I think we're learning that uh some of these things we're seeing more data come in where it's like, okay, I think I think there are some fair concerns here. Um, and uh, judging by the comments alone here, I think uh, people are, are <laughs> really, really looking to talk about it. Um, I think there's there's lots to discuss.
1: Yeah, there uh, there certainly is here. And obviously, I mean, the, the game started like pretty much every other game has started for Michigan is they it was economically-
2: it, They looked exactly what a team favored by 20 and a half points should look like in a half of football. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That first drive was
1: exactly what we've seen all year from them, uh, mixing uh, of runs, obviously, uh, a few passes here and there, but running the football, ending up with a touchdown uh, on that first drive, and uh, the defense was really good in, in that first half. And Michigan was able to move the ball quite a bit. Um, I think there, obviously, people are talking a lot about the passing game, uh, particularly the play of Cade McNamara, and you know how he looked in the second half, but.
2: There well, was that do we do we start with Antoine who's taking an issue with <laughs> us on a number of fronts here? Yeah, the- we should we
0: should nip these in the bud here. So yeah,
2: and I think so. Basically, there's there's a lot of com- thank you, Antoine, for watching. Those of you who are listening after the fact, we stream these podcasts every Monday night here on the YouTube channel. Uh, Antoine was pretty vocal either last week or the week before about uh, Michigan needs to pass the ball more and, and get those reps and. Uh, We're hearing we're hearing about it from them after how things went on Saturday. And I want to just address it by, um, you know, in a game like the Washington game, like I, I get I get these types of questions for Western Michigan and for Northern Illinois. Like those are teams that you should never lose, not only not lose to, but you should always beat them pretty handily. So to to put things on on film and get reps, I get the desire for that. Uh, when I look at how Cade McNamara played on Saturday, and this is how I guess this is how we spin into the first part of this show, I just felt like there were a lot of just missed opportunities on the field. I didn't think that the play calling was terrible. Uh, I've softened my stance from that since I did the post game podcast, but you know there there were there were at least three or four throws that I can remember off the top of my head where you just have to hit those. And four weeks into a year, uh, into a season. You had a full training camp. You had spring football. This is your third year on campus. You have to hit those throws. And, you know, this is what I said last year. Like, I've said this during our basketball podcast, and Luke can attest to this. Things that happen in a vacuum of one game or one half of football, I can kind of write off. But when you start to see things look like they're trends. Like I, th- I feel like Cade has left a few throws on the field in each of these games. Um, maybe not so much Western Michigan, but um, that he just Cade McNamara just has to play better. I think it just boils down to that. And I think he's capable of that. I'm not sure what happened. Like the, uh, the I love the quick, the, the quick passing game. I know again, people have always been under the impression that the uh, speed and space means they're going to go four or five wide run the air raid and and chuck the ball over the field in what they want to be with the RPOs, the quick reads and getting the ball out quick. The first half to me was as good as I've seen it look in terms of how he's played and and how the team played and executed. But um, the second half is just like, I I don't, I, I don't think he did them any favors. I think Michigan, this is, I said this the other day in the podcast, they've, my concern with them is what happens when someone punches back, and you can't just push someone around. And and they're so. They're so confident. Just sure, I don't know if to call it hubris or not. I don't think that's fair to them, but they're so confident in what they are that when they get thrown off schedule, um, I think there's a little bit of a deer in the headlights look. And I feel like I saw that on Saturday. You go, you come out, and you go three and out on your first four drives, and it was just. I don't know if that's a sign of things to come. I don't know if that's the vacuum of 30 minutes of football. Um, but the only way you get answers to that, you don't get answers to that by spewing hot takes and and shaking your fist to the sky and saying, oh, this is the same old Wolverines. We're not going to know what the hell Saturday's second half was until we see what happens this Saturday. And I'm sorry if that's not sexy to talk about, if that's not um, the answers you're looking for, but that's just the fact of the matter here. I have no idea what to make of that. Yeah, well,
1: I I want to go back to, to kind of what I was uh, saying here was that I thought Cade for the most of the first half played really good. I thought he made a lot of really good throws and the one the rough in the passer where he took the hit on the chin. It was a really good throw to Cornelius Johnson and a huge gain on the play. And Cade was not the same after that hit. I don't know what it was, but he missed a ton of easy throws. Obviously, everyone <laughs> remembers the one in the end zone right before halftime, but after that hit, he just wasn't the same. I, I, Steven, I know you went through the film. I'm sure you can attest to that a
0: little bit. Yeah, it, I think it's more of a coincidence. Now, I it didn't look – I don't think the hit was as bad as it initially looked. It seemed like it was more hands to the face than a pure helmet. I don't think he probably should have gotten ejected for that hit. But there is something to say of, yeah, that could have affected him just getting the yips, not being comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I think that's – that's a fair, uh, fair question. I think it's probably more of a coincidence. I think he had one bad pass at the end of the half. Um, to be fair, Shoemaker did stumble kind of on that route, so he probably should have been a little closer to that where that throw ended up. Um, but he still could have lofted it a bit more. I'll agree, that's a total miss on K. McNamara's part. On a couple of the throws, the one to Sane was still in the second half. It was on a slant, kind of looked similar to some of the more successful passes in the first half. It was a little bit low, um, probably catchable, but still a tough pass. There was one uh, out to A.J. Henning that I think Henning uh, gained a little bit too much depth after the cut on the out route. And that's kind of a tough route. He was relatively well covered, a throw um, that's behind AJ Henning could potentially be in a position to get pick sixth there. So I mentioned these things because yeah, they were not, I mean, it's not great. he had a, he had a bad half. There's no other way to, to describe that, but it's not like he was he threw like two picks and put the game really in danger. I mean, obviously you want to be picking up more than one first down in a full half of football. But I think people who are already calling for J.G. McCarthy are, are are not seeing the downside of having a less safe option. JJ McCarthy, for sure, will have more flashes. I think you'll see a, a better arm talent. But knock on wood, K. McNamara hasn't turned the ball over. There, there's value in having a safe option at quarterback, even if he is a little bit limited physically. I don't think the staff did any favors by um, – I remember the first half they had like a a bunch, like four wide receivers wide in a bunch and just a simple man-to-man slant route to Cornelius Johnson. Why not scheme something similar to that? I don't think they were giving um, enough schematic wins or easy completions, like a screen screen pass. Um, They always kept bringing the safety down um, to bring extra men in the box to constantly stuff the run game outside run game we only saw one attempted run outside the tackles that uh that went for nine yards right and that changes your offensive complexion so did k mcnamara perform really poorly in second half absolutely um did the offense set up the quarterback well to execute in a more diverse offense that would provide better opportunities for the offense overall i think the staff could have done better so I'm, I'm kind of this, where Anthony's at.
2: Go ahead. This is where I'm sorry to interrupt, but this no. is where the talk over the first few weeks. We're not going to get high on our own stuff. We're not going to fall in love with the things we're doing. Doesn't it kind of feel like they fell in love with the things that they've been doing? And it obviously it didn't. It didn't equate to what um, it was similar to the Michigan State game last year. Uh, obviously, Michigan won, so it's not similar in that regard. But. Um, you just kept running up the middle and running up the middle. Cause he felt like eventually you could, and something would break because I think they were kind of confident in their own stuff. And when you run the ball for 340 yards or whatever it was in the first three weeks of the year, in each game, I get it. Um, you know, Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins are your, your two best players on offense. Um, but uh, I, I do, like I said, um, it's tough for me to, I just think it's a—it's kind of a team. So many things kind of just didn't go right in that second half. That, um, you know, if, if we're saying that Cade McNamara was kind of thrown off schedule by taking the hit, let's just say that he was a little thrown off. If he's not injured, your job as an offensive coordinator is to get that guy back into rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it just didn't seem like there was much of an effort to do that.
1: Um, well, yeah. to, to your point there is like, you know, people are talking like Michigan – only I have my own problems with the play calling, especially in that second half. But I mean, a lot of people are acting like they literally only ran at every play. They had one of the three and elsewhere, Kate McNamara was up for three. You know, they, they ran three straight pass plays, they, they threw it on first down more than a few times. And this is when Michigan had the lead. It's not like they were ever trailing from behind. I yeah. feel like that's getting lost in a lot of this, too, right? Is that like Michigan won this football game. Yeah, and people are people are really talking like they lost this football game. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it was never really in danger. I mean, Michigan was never in danger of trailing in this
2: football game, really. You know, so I I don't know. I, yeah, the, not in danger of trailing. But like I said, when you let Rutgers and I said this last week, I said it in the post game. Rutgers is not this is not Chris Ash's Rutgers anymore. Right. They came to Ann Arbor on Saturday Vegas, be damned! Looking to compete and win a football game. So, like I said, it, it to let a team like that hang around, that's that's dangerous and and something that also. I have no idea what's going on. Sorry, an ad popped up. Um, God, I'm so flustered today. Do you want
0: a credit card, Anthony? It's no, for I, you. I have
2: one. I have one. Trust me. It's uh <laughs> no. Um, where I was going with that is that. It, there's still so many unknowns and that even team, like the computer, like it's funny, Michigan actually improved in the eyes of the computers this weekend, because a lot of them had the Rutgers as a top 40 opponent. So that goes down as a quality win for them. And I still think at the end of the day, I mean, you got out of there with a win, but what you see is, you know, every, even teams that are good have a couple game, one or two games each season where something like this happens. And I think what Michigan fans are bringing into this and their right to do so is that typically games like this have been um, kind of teasers for what's to come. Right at the wall. And I think you're totally justified in feeling that way. A lot of the same people are, are in place in, in terms of that power structure. But, you know, to me, there's just, there's still just so much with them that's different. Um, and I think they're better in a lot of areas, namely the offensive line, namely the backs. I do think they're probably as poised at the quarterback position as they've been since, you know, Wilton was healthy, or since Shea was playing well that first year, um, it's just a matter of you have to execute. And they didn't do that on, on Saturday. I, I don't know. Michigan hasn't hasn't won at Wisconsin since 2001. And if it's going to happen, it kind of has to happen this year. Because if, if it doesn't happen against this Wisconsin team, then I think we're kind of right back in the muck of of where – like this has always been circled as yeah. the – where are you at type of game. And even though, you know, with Wisconsin and I know we're still, we're talking Rutgers here, but um, I just, I feel like I can't make any definitive type of prediction until we see what, what shows up on the field on Saturday, because this, is this at times has been a completely different football game or football team away from Ann Arbor. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm not, I hate people hate me for taking the wait and see approach and, uh being patient and not going fire and brimstone. Um, I, I there are just so many things I need to I need to see still. And I'm a little more again, a couple of weeks ago we had the conversation about questions, not concerns. Some of them are getting cranked in the concern pile. Yep. So yep. um that's what happens when more data comes in.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, Steven. Yeah, I was gonna say I think when you look at just snap to snap and you don't have to go through wait through commercials and and wait for through the defense and things like that you look at the offense and they're like relatively close there's a pass to eric all that was you know just off the fingertips i mentioned the saner still pass that was just a bit a bit low Mm -hmm. there are things that are close where it's not like man we are like just lost out there right it's missed missed execution that like you can see, but when the defense is giving up a 70-yard, like, 12-play drive, that's like a goal line stand for a field goal. That happened twice, another missed field goal from Rutgers. When you add in that context of, like, look how easy Rutgers is making it look, right? It felt like any read option for uh, Noah Vedral is getting seven yards, and you're just like, why can't we do this, right? It seemed like Rutgers had a really, a really easy time understanding what – Michigan's defense is going to give you which apparently is an eight yard out or an eight yard hitch every single time and good luck stopping Rutgers when they have three downs at second or two second and two or shorter so it's it's things like that where when you add that on you're you're mad about that and then when you get to the offense and they're struggling to execute you're more mad about the offense because of how easy the opposition makes things look so I think the final thing I'll mention about, like, the offense execution, I I just am really sad <laughs> that true play-action pass isn't a thing. Think of how powerful, like, a hard boot action off of a uh, fake to Blake Quorum would do, and it's just not something that happens often. Um, it's just not a part of the playbook. It's not something that Gattis really believes in. It's more RPO looks that we're, again, consistently questioning, is this actually an RPO read? Does the quarterback actually have an option in this, or are they just trying to add that for an extra element that they we, that they hope the defense will honor, right, the QB keep in those scenarios? So all of this is just to say it's it's a reversion back to what a lot of fans thought this team was going to be, that temporarily for three games, Michigan – seemingly was on a different path and now this one half leaves that sour taste where everyone is just um staring into the abyss wondering what what's happening to their football team that they thought had had bucked a lot of trends that uh they've been seeing for the past you could say five years or so so yeah man i don't i Again, I'm always one kind of with Anthony where the more data, the better. Because that first half looked like it looked like exactly what you want Michigan offense to look like against that team. And Rutgers, as funny as it is to make fun of them, I think in terms of talent level to coaching, they're about as close to their ceiling as any other team in the Big Ten right now. I think they're probably one of the top three best coached staffs in college football right now. I think Shiano is phenomenal. They have a great offensive coordinator. Um, They get the most out of their team, and they don't make a whole lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the only thing that you could really point to Rutgers and say what the hell were they doing was some of their short yardage fourth down calls. Um, And the fourth and ten at the end of the first half, I don't know what Shiano was thinking there. But from a play-to-play standpoint, outside those kind of education, edge cases excuse me Rutgers is a really well coached team and I think they're close to their ceiling which is a probably six or seven win possibly more if they uh, can find some luck here but um, I don't think that was a bad Rutgers team and um, and yeah I there, there's a lot to learn more I'm more just sad that play action pass outside run diversity it feels like the team is fine with a two possession lead and yeah. it just makes me scared whenever that happens Where it's just like we gotta clench and yeah. hold on.
2: Conservative, yeah. conservative football can get you to eight or nine wins a year. It's yeah. not going to get you more than that, no. and that's that's what that's what we saw in the second half. Um,
1: Someone pointed it out, I think, on Twitter. Felt very Army 2019. I mean, you, you just kept getting runs in between the guards. I, just nothing to the outside. No creativity, like we saw. Steven, uh, to your point, man, you know I've been very vocal uh, v- about trying to get some more play action passes, particularly on first downs in high leverage situations. I would love to see that. Just, I I, I mean, at this, at this point, like, we are four games in. I feel like the offense is what the offense is and, and what it's going to be, you know, moving forward. I, I don't expect, I saw people mentioning things like they're saving stuff for Wisconsin. I'm like, Saving what? Like what do, what do they have that they're saving? Can, do you think Wisconsin can only go and look at the Rutgers game? Like, that? they're not going to see the end of rounds and reverses and the off-tackle stuff that they did against Northern Illinois and Washington and, and Western Michigan. They're not saving anything. They weren't saving anything. So that's why I was a little disappointed with the play call in the second half. But to your point, I think they were just kind of leading on the on the defense, hanging on to the, the two-possession lead. I will say, though, uh, very impressed with the defense, given the bad situation. That they were put in, you, you lose Josh Ross. That's already a bad thing, and you get no rest. Three straight, three downs to begin the the second half. They were put in some really tough positions, and they bent, but they didn't break. And I had to give them a lot of credit playing a lot of guys out there.
2: Yeah. um, First of all, I mean, shout out to David Ojabo and Junior Colson for sealing off that game because the offense couldn't do it. Uh, And Jake Moody's been pretty good this year, but he couldn't do it either. Uh, They had a chance to go up by two scores, and maybe that's when you would have felt good about it. But um, they sweated this one out until the end, and someone had to make a play. And and similar to that Army game, uh, someone did. Uh, So shout out to those guys, first of all. Um, You know, it reminded me – it reminded me again a little bit of the earlier portions of last year and that your offense was so inept in that second half of the game the defense was on the field the whole second half so those guys are gassed. the fact that anyone was able to make a play that late um i think that's they they showed me a lot with their resolve on saturday um that's that was a that was to me again i know some of the there's there's stuff that they still need to work on and i think we kind of came into the season Assuming that that was going to be the case with this defense, they're still, to me, uh, talent deficient in a couple of critical areas, namely, um, namely at cornerback. I'm not crazy about what they have at safety. Um, you know, defensive line; those guys have potential, but have been, um, you know, I thought they got pushed around a little bit. It's, uh, like I said, it's, it's just one of those games that I, I think. What it what it's done is, and I'll call them the um, well, I won't call them names. The portion of the fan base that looked at those first three games and thought that this was the type of game that would happen um, because of those other how those other three games went and they didn't work on certain things, they didn't pass the ball enough. um, This was the type of game those people expected to see. I still don't know if that's this is. I mean, if this is the norm, then we're right back to this potentially being a seven or eight win football team. But uh, I think there's just more there to um, I, I just what we've seen so far. I tend to believe like we all know they can play much better football than this. It, it's not a, they weren't in a dog fight with Rutgers because Rutgers was, was even in talent. Uh, Rutgers was well-coached. They didn't make mistakes. They didn't back down from a fight and I still think there are probably guys on that team who, despite how last year went, probably aren't used to that when seeing the team with the, you know, the, the Ruckers name across their chest doing so. Um, I think amazing. it also worth pointing out that it wasn't necessarily a dogfight all game, you know, it was a 17th half time. No. And this is where I think, I hope this can be beneficial for them and that they learned, they were finally in things, finally kind of didn't go well for them. And somehow, some way, They were able to do enough to pull through that. Um, I think based on what I've seen from the mental makeup of a lot of those guys, like I I can't sit here and say it's not going to be a group that doesn't let it happen again, but I do think it's a very self-aware group that knows it can't let that happen again. So um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I know people are probably afraid and think that going into Wisconsin Saturday is a death March. I'm, I'm extremely excited to see how they come out and play because for me and again people hate, might think this is boring or vanilla analy- analysis to me the only thing that matters is what happens next so mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah i mean you either you either learn from it or it was a crappy game right i, I think anyone anyone will say that you're going to have a game like that in the future whether it's against a good opponent or not those games, there's a lot to learn from a game like that, not only from the X's and O's, but from the mental standpoint of of your team. Having that mental resolve, if you go through the regular season uh like a Clemson (laughs) and you don't play anybody all year, by the time you run into some some opponent that'll you know kick you in the teeth, you won't know how your team's going to respond to that. And you won't know uh, where the gaps are within your team to to adjust to those scenarios. So for better or for worse, at least we can say we had that um, going into other games. And I'm thinking from the defensive standpoint, it's got to be really, really damn hard to go out and play with a lot of fire, a lot of energy, drive after drive, when the offense is struggling that much, right? To To only see your offense get one first down, that's pretty – momentum sucking from your team overall so to to go out and continue to fight when Rutgers you know made it around the red zone a couple times to still be strong and not give up a touchdown in those scenarios I mean it's huge right that was the difference between Michigan winning the game or not so to um sure there was some bend there but to to not break and to continue to ensure that uh Rutgers stayed out of the end zone that's what won Michigan the game so I think that's that's something, if you're looking for a positive to take from the game, I do think Vincent Gray is playing much better than last year. I think it's nice that we have a guy like Junior Colson step up. Um, Josh Ross had a questionable 2020. It showed how valuable he is this year. Um, I think I'm still pretty down on the defensive line, especially on the interior this year. But um, when they had to, they made a play. And um, I think – Going into this season, I said the offense needs to carry this defense. And uh, the exact opposite happened in the second half of the last game. So defense already ahead of where I would expect them to be. I still think it's a top 30 defense. Not, I think they're number four right now in scoring defense overall. I think that's a little inflated. I think teams will start to be able to put some points together. Um, But it feels like now they have potential to be around 20th or so rather than where I was thinking hovering around 30th as the ceiling, I think they can be a little bit better than that. But, um, but I mean, again, I think the mental aspect, the ability to continue to perform um, despite things going completely wrong on the other side of the ball, um, I think that gives some, some weight to those uh, kind of like culture changes overall, and, and especially in the defensive room after what we saw in 2020.
1: Okay, uh, I want uh, to bring up this comment. It's from Marky Mac. Uh, he said, "Wisconsin is going to curb stomp Michigan." And my th- question is, like, I'm not sure who's going to win this game, but like, is Wisconsin's offense capable of curb stomping anybody? Not no, really. Like, what? it could be like it could be like a twelve six win for Wisconsin. I feel like I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that Graham Mertz and company
2: is going to curb stomp anyone this year. That's for sure. I mean, if you believe that uh, this Michigan defense is um, the 2020 defense in sheep's clothing, then I guess maybe – there's a chance that Graham Mertz can go all Rocky Lombardi on them. Uh, and I won't completely rule that out. I mean, I've seen everything at this point, so I'll never rule and anything. I, I do want to apologize. It appears Marky Mack is just
1: kind of a troll that's in here. He says Michigan hasn't pressured any QB all year. So uh, Okay, well
2: Marky. Yeah, Markie, yeah I, think,
1: and, uh, I think he's just a, he's just a troll coming I'm in gonna, trying I'm to gonna, start I'm things. I'm gonna <laughs> go <laughs> ahead and put Mark- we're just, we're, yeah, we're not gonna take that guy seriously we're gonna, anymore. We'll
2: go ahead and put Marky Mack in timeout. So um <laughs> <laughs> Um Something else I want to talk about um, because I, I know the conversation will be, again, centered on JJ versus Cade. Uh, if you think that Michigan doesn't have confidence in in the third-year quarterback they already have, what do you think the play calling will look like when they put a true freshman out there? Um, and do you really want Camp Randall to be this guy's first start? No, no, uh, I don't. And like I said, if he's the best guy, he should play, period. Um, and, and I have confidence that – uh, because it's always been this way because they don't give a damn about red shirts. They don't care about, um, you know, if you want to say that Brandon Peters wasn't made ready soon enough in 2017, I'll listen to that argument because I agree with it. Uh, John O'Corn was that bad when he was on the field. But like I said, uh, JJ will play when he's ready. And eventually there will be, there will come a time where he is too good to keep off the field. And and we've already seen a little bit of that raw talent, but In the two game, I mean, outside of one throw that he's made in two games of garbage time, he's looked like a freshman. So if it gets to a point like, so when we did the little, the silly little video game stream during the summer, and if you're in a scenario where Michigan is three and well, they're not, they're four. No, but if they were four and they lose the next two games, you know, you lose at Wisconsin, you lose at Nebraska. Your season's probably over anyways. If it gets to that point where then it's. And for that to happen, I think Cade really has to fall apart, which I'm not ruling out. Again, I've seen everything. But until Michigan – until it's apparent that either either or here, that Cade can't hold on to the job or that J.J. has supplanted him, I don't – I'm not rushing that. I know we want – we love the – the most popular guy on any team is going to be the backup quarterback, Yeah, especially at Michigan where – you know, they've been chasing that elusive guy, so to speak, since, uh, I know, a pro star guy since Chad Henney, and they haven't had a star there since Denard Robinson. So, outside of a few games of Devin Gardner. Um, if, if JJ comes in and struggles, then it becomes, oh, everyone wants to see what Dan Villari can do. Well, let's see what this Alan Bowman guy can do. He's played games in the Big 12, he has experience. So, it's always going to be that guy on the next rung. Um, and plus, if JJ comes in now and he's not ready to go, and again, I know these are ifs, but Kate is playing. Kate is starting, so we're yeah. to assume that's how the depth chart looks. If JJ comes in now and doesn't play well, then everything gets thrown into into nuclear overload in that JJ McCarthy's a bust and Jim Harbaugh uh, can't evaluate a quarterback. And that's just – that's the type of stuff they don't need right now. I think they can deal with the controversy – of Cade being their starting quarterback, I don't think they can survive the the discourse around if JJ McCarthy comes in at, before he's ready to. So yeah, um, lest we forget, this staff has to win football games this year, or else they won't be here. Yep, right. Period. Uh, yeah. JJ was ready. I, I I have no doubt in my mind that he'd be
0: playing. And, and here's the thing: last week, Notre Dame beat Wisconsin forty-one to thirteen. More than half of Notre Dame's points did not come from their offense. Okay. That's their defense that scored two pick sixes and they had a kick return for a touchdown. So what do you do against a defense for Wisconsin that is top 10 in the nation, if not better than that? Uh, you don't turn the damn ball over because they're struggling on offense, right? It's the same sort of situation that you had against Washington. Um, Wisconsin has even a better defense. The worst thing you can do to a team with a struggling offense, with a quarterback like Mertz, who threw four interceptions, the worst thing you can do is give them the ball in good field position, and that's usually uh, what turnovers do. So mm-hmm. I think you should go with the quarterback that has yet to turn the ball over. I'm knocking on all the wood in my room right now, but like I feel like it's a, it's a no-brainer to go with the guy that you've had all camp in who has yet to do that and – you know? And he's
1: had really one bad half.
0: Yeah, like so, we can't just write off
1: the season because of that. Like I know he didn't throw much in the in the Washington game, but we've been over why that was well, the case. But and, he learned- and
2: I think it was Stephen that made this point. Uh, I forget. Maybe it was Stephen. Maybe I heard it on the radio. The fact that I'm even linking the two of those. Hey, Stephen, those are that's points for you, regardless, buddy. Um, <laughs> when you don't throw the ball a ton, your margin of error is just yeah. so much, uh, right? So much less, and you have to like if you throw the ball 16 times like he did on Saturday and you miss three throws, four throws, whatever it is, that's, I mean, extrapolate that over the course of a game. And those are missed opportunities. Mm -hmm. They have to, they have to be, they just have to be sharper there. And I'll say this to his credit. And again, I know after the Washington game, they played a team full of, uh, of uh, construction cones in Northern Illinois, but it just seemed like, after he had a week to watch film. And again, I know people will cringe that it seems like I'm a Cade truth or whatever. I don't care what you call me at this point. I'm Teflon bounces right off of me. It just seemed like the ball was coming out quicker after he had a week to kind of see what was in the ball. I thought the ball came out quick on Saturday. It just <laughs> a couple key moments. It came out inaccurately and not where it's supposed to be. Mm. Um, that's a footwork thing. That's a mechanics thing. That's, you know, just not making a play and, uh, they left some potential on the field Saturday. I Again, it, it would be disingenuous of me to say I know that that means they're screwed moving forward. I have a gut feeling <laughs> what it might mean moving forward. But until they play these games, um, you know, Wisconsin, and even it looks like we were laughing at Illinois a month – or I'm sorry, at Nebraska a month ago. If they lost to Illinois, that's a team that's scrapping and playing hard right now. That's going to be a fight too. So these next two weeks, uh, you're going to – We've been waiting a month for answers. You're going to know. You're going to know what this team is in the next two weeks, period.
0: Yeah. If, if there's going to be a, a time for a QB controversy, it's it's going to be after this game, right? Like it, we're going to have an answer to whether or not McNamara is going to be able to step up to the plate here because I think Rutgers showed that um, – there's adjustments that need to be made in terms of the overall balance um, of the pass game. It's Wisconsin is, is too good um, on the defensive line to um, really exploit through the run game. And now that Michigan has kind of been proven that, yeah, against Rutgers, we're going to have to uh, schematically win through the air a bit more here and um, you know, it's, it's not like we'll be going into this game without, with that being the first time, right. We saw it with Rutgers and now, now it's time, now it's time. And um, I agree. It's not the time at Camp Randall to start a a true freshman or, you know, a a young quarterback like that. You just, you you need to, you need to run with what, what you have right now. And you're going to learn whether or not adjustments need to be made and, after this game is is when I think that'll happen. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I thought the line was fair to be in favor of Wisconsin. When's the last time Michigan has really proven themselves on the road? I had it mm-hmm. at kind of as a toss-up. If you wanted to add in the weird voodoo of Michigan's last, what, 15 years on the road and give a, a couple extra points additionally on top of the home field advantage towards Wisconsin, I wouldn't disagree with you. And I, I sent out a tweet that – yeah, Wisconsin is, what, one and two right now, and um, those two losses are to Penn State and Notre Dame in games. Notre Dame game was close before it fell off the rails at the end of that fourth quarter, but um, it's a, it'll be probably one of the best one in three teams um, that I've seen in a long time if Michigan pulls out a victory there. So it's a team that could <laughs> rattle off eight victories after, the, uh, after this Michigan game if it goes the Wolverines' way, so. I you know people will say it's not a good team there's a reason they're still I think number 29 or whatever when you look at the AP poll in terms of votes for Wisconsin right now and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what the game plan is, right?
1: Like are are they going to just throw the throw the chair at the wall and keep running that football or are they going to mix in some stuff early, man? That's that's going to be we're going to know the tone early in that game, I think. Yeah.
2: Well, here's where, and I feel like I've been picking on Antoine, but this is where a comment. I totally agree with him. He says, "I'm telling you right now, Wisconsin will stack the line, and Gaddis is going to have to call a balanced game." And not only that, those I agree with that. Quick, quick throws when they present themselves, you have to hit them. Yep, especially mm-hmm. if you're only going to throw the ball 15 or 16 times. So, I'm totally with you. I, I'm not. I'm not here to dispel anything we saw on Saturday as not a big deal. It's just, you know, in the vacuum of one football game, I don't know. I guess maybe it, maybe it's naive of me at this point. I don't know, but I'm still kind of holding out hope that this can be a pretty balanced offensive attack because I think when it's worked, we saw, I mean, the first half was quick passes. Uh, I think, um, you know, we're starting to see the wide receivers kind of look comfortable without Ronnie Bell out there, um, but got to put those guys in positions to succeed and guys have to execute. So if one of those things is off, you're going to be in for a long day. If both of those things are off, you're going to be fighting for your lives at the end of a football game like they were on Saturday. Simple as that to me. Yep. Yep. So we'll see what happens.
1: Going to be a fun one on Saturday. I already can't wait to talk about it next week. Uh, Anthony, Stephen, uh, Stephen, I'll start with you, man. Where can we find you on social media? What you got going on here this week?
0: Yep. Got analysis. I'm actually kind of ahead of schedule, so hoping I can get some uh, videos out to Twitter and YouTube um, in the next coming days here. So uh, if you Google or go on YouTube and just search Maze and Brew, uh, you'll find all the work I do there. So definitely a couple of negative play focused analysis coming from uh, this Rutgers game and uh, uh, hopefully a little bit more positive beyond that. You can find me on Twitter at Steven Toski. I usually post uh, at least half the plays from those full, f- full videos ahead of time. So check that out for Uh, The coming days for that. And um, and yeah, quick shout out to Logan Evans, uh, who became an early access member. So if you're interested in seeing analysis before anybody else, um, I did an exclusive live stream last week where we talked about Rutgers a lot. Um, Lots of cool stuff on the channel uh, coming through that. So go over, head to the channel, press the join button and it'll uh, have different options for different membership tiers there. Anthony, where can we find you, man?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom and get your Maize and Brew podcast wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, the website is wherever you're at on social media. Unless you're in some of the dark corners of the Internet, we're not there. But the normal places, <laughs> we are. So um, thank you for your continued support of, of – I'm so tired. You can hear it. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for <laughs> it. I'm still, uh, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And
1: wherever you do get your podcast, subscribe, rate, leave a review. We really do appreciate that and uh, appreciate everyone who's here with us every Monday night, 7.30 on the Mesa Brew YouTube live channel. Appreciate all your comments. I promise you we, we read all of them. We, we'd love to get to more. And thank you for helping push the discussion uh, as well. Appreciate all of you. Make sure to subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel as well. So that's going to do it for us here on this week's Brewcast for Anthony Broom and Stephen Ostentowski. I'm Luke Yardy, and we'll see you next week.